0: Hey, welcome back to the Ball and Breakfast podcast. We have a a special edition for you today, uh, different than our our usual rundowns of you know the NFL uh, weekly schedule, you know current events in NBA, MLB as well. Um, we've got Stefano Montali here, uh, a good friend and uh, also just somebody super interesting in the world of of media, in the world of uh, you know uh, sports, podcasting, you know living abroad. There's a lot of things that you know he brings to the table here that I think will make for you know just a fun conversation, something that could be thought provoking to you, know, you folks listening out there for, for any kind of purposes. But uh, just to kind of introduce him, uh, he's you know the guy in the center there if that you know is what you're seeing on your you know uh, video or whatnot. But uh, Stefano uh, is a journalist and an audio producer. Uh, he's currently based in Berlin, Germany, uh, originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, you know he's had some really interesting pieces uh, lately that have you know shown up for sports and fan sided. Um, as well in uh, major publications like The Guardian, BBC, Business Insider. Uh, He covers anything from sports to even just social issues um, across the world. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to kick it over to Stefano just to maybe talk about a couple of those pieces. Um, You know, I saw the one with uh, Wayne Kennedy, if I've got that name right, in basketball in Cameroon. And then uh, also your one on Jabbar and David uh, in Afghanistan, the U.S. So if you'd like to just briefly touch on yourself and maybe those, those pieces or others, you know, I'm happy to let you have the
1: floor. Yeah. Thanks Patrick and Wayne for having me too. Um, good way to spend a sa- Saturday or sorry, Sunday afternoon. Um, yeah. So I, have been in Berlin for a few years and really started getting into the, the journalism world about a year and a half ago, maybe two, yeah, almost two years. Um, yeah, I think one, one of the, most interesting things about uh, getting into it has just been like the way that um, stories pop up, the possibility for finding a story has, ch- you know, it just changes. At first, I kind of was scouring the internet, you know, going on Reddit, just kind of trying to be inspired in a lot of different ways for, you know, different storylines. But um, yeah, the one that you, the one that you, uh, the story you mentioned for that I did for Fanside a few months ago with Nick Wayne Kennedy, who basically is this um, uh, 21-year-old um, guy in uh, Bamenda, Cameroon, uh, who has – he basically started posting videos of himself just doing these insane basketball workouts, um, very makeshift, like, you know, lifting water jugs and stones and um, playing on this kind of clay court in um, outside his hometown. Um and i i found him i i think just on instagram i think it was just like suggested to me um i watch a lot of nba highlights That's so i think the algorithm <laughs> um knew where knew where to put him um and i found him and you know he's got like a i think over a million followers on um on tiktok not that i'm on tiktok um, but, uh, but on Instagram too. So, um, I contacted him and very nice guy. He's basically, it's the goal of, of making the NBA. Um, but we talked about a little bit about that, but also just kind of what it means to be, a someone who, um, you know, people around him can look up to, um, you know, you just talked to me a lot of people saying that a lot of people in Africa are, are online just watching videos and, um, that he, you know, there's, it's interesting because With, uh, you know, with Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, those are guys who also come from Cameroon. Um, And so it's just interesting to hear. And, you know, he told me this story. It's funny. I talked to him for like, I don't know, an hour. And at the end, I usually ask, like, is there anything that I haven't asked that you want to, that you think is important or that you want to mention? And he just casually throws in this story that, like, Steph Curry follows him on instagram and steph curry follows like less than 1000 people and has like 50 million followers himself so i was like that's so funny that he just didn't think that was important but he's a very humble guy so um anyway so that, that was a really cool piece and actually funnily enough um about two three weeks ago a, a film um director and producer who's based in berlin messaged me just found my email found the story and is like i've been trying to get in touch with this guy for a while." haven't gotten a response, but, uh, I want to make a documentary about him and his journey. So we've actually started working just the last couple of weeks about potentially doing something. So maybe potentially more to come about an Um, and, uh, yeah, it could be really interesting. So there's a a chance I'll be heading to Cameroon, um uh, possibly next year, but I I'm going to knock on wood cause I don't want to curse that. <laughs> um, but yeah so that that was the first story he's um uh and then the second one that you mentioned uh the one of, with jabbar and um dave uh that was in the guardian um is actually started at a christmas party last winter uh I was at home with my parents in Florida and i went to uh just this party with him i was i was the youngest guy there, just kind of like you know talking to family friends, but family friends that I don't really know that well, just kind of been around the family for a long time, but usually I don't interact with them with them myself. And, um, Dave's brother. So Dave is one of the guys in the, the American guy in the story, his brother just started telling me about this story. And, um, again, I'll just give you a quick rundown of the story for those, but I encourage you, if you, if, if you're interested in, um, in kind of personal relationship stories and, um, yeah check it out um but anyway it's it's basically about this guy dave he's in the in the late 1970s was growing up in nebraska decided to go to the peace corps which patrick uh obviously that was one of the first things we kind of talked about back in china but um he decided to go to the peace corps and was placed in um kandahar valley which is at the time wasn't really known uh i mean afghanistan and it one of the one of the things he told me was that um you know, at that time in the U.S., what people knew about Afghanistan was that it was the first country that came out at the Olympic parade. And that was really the extent to which most Americans knew about this country. So but anyway, so he picked there um, or he got placed there in Kandahar Valley and didn't know anybody, started teaching at a high school, met this uh, and was pretty lonely, you know, barely spoke Pashto Um met this guy who was another teacher, young teacher at the high school. And this guy's family really took him in and, um, you know, it, it, they got so comfortable with him that he was allowed to come in. He was out allowed to see um, um, the, you know, the mother and the daughters and the sisters with, without any coverings, which is, uh, you know, kind of a, I guess a cold, very only, only the family and, and friend, close friends uh, have that, Uh, I guess ability so but the father of Jabbar who's this other teacher um, allowed him to to do that and uh, and then they lost contact because of the communist revolution in 1978 or 79 Um, they just was too dangerous for them to talk to or Jabbar to talk to an American and and Dave Um, and then they reconnected like 20 20 years later in Germany kind of um, came together again and then to end the story um back in last september when the u.s pulled out of afghanistan the um uh you know jabbar's daughters uh were close to not being able to get out and dave through kind of his contacts from having worked uh in different organizations with afghanistan was able to get them out uh and now one of the daughters actually lives five minutes away from him in Lincoln, Nebraska. So, or outside of Lincoln, Nebraska. So it was just this kind of, I, I thought it was cool because it was a personal way to talk about a, obviously a conflict in the story that as Americans, we hear a lot about. Um, and it was, uh, so I basically I interviewed them separately so I could tell the guardian wanted me to write kind of like two separate accounts of the same story and have them fill in each other uh, as they go. And so that was a really cool experience. And, um i learned a lot just just talking to them and hearing about you know their stories but yeah so um those are two of the, two of the, my favorite pieces i think i've done in the last year
0: yeah i mean <clears throat> reading through both of them i i feel like i i was brought back to to peace score with both stories Nick Wayne's and with uh jabbar and david's because played a lot of basketball while you know abroad in in moldova and uh Met local families like that and became like a brother to you know the family and stuff in a lot of ways, but uh mm-hmm. also just seeing you know people's perseverance on the ground you know floor when you're you know in a third world developing nation whatever it is, but uh you know with Nick Wayne's uh story and just where he's at, I was just curious um you know how good is he? Like I, I'm inspired by his training and uh, I like watching his his film, but is this is this a serious you know, thing in terms of, you know, his preparations, like second to none, you know, looking up NBA FIBA coaches, trying to understand like how drills are actually like put together and why, like he just goes to a different level. And I feel like he's probably like in the 99th percentile in terms of prep. I'm just wondering, like, just from what you've seen or or what, you know, like,
1: is this a serious thing? Yeah, well, that, that's a good question. That's something that me and this, um, you know, kind of d- d- director that I was talking with were just discussing a few days ago and we are trying to put together kind of like a little trailer about him. But um, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, he he. one of the things he told me was that he has a lot of people who follow him on Instagram who are coaches at, you know, different levels around the world, basketball coaches, uh, including Phil Handy, who's an L.A., you know, handling coach and um, and Chris Paul's coach as well or you know one of his trainers so it's it's not like the people who are telling him you know encouraging him aren't legitimate uh people in their own their own basketball right but again at the end of this at the same time it's it's hard to tell because he doesn't hasn't really been matched up with anybody of of a high caliber um i think what's interesting and in, in doing the research for this story was uh, that, you know, the NBA is really growing in Africa right now. There's a new, um, there's a lot of development camps, especially in Senegal. Uh, and there's also this, I forget what it's called. It's the NBA. There's a new league that has, I don't know, maybe 12 teams, 10 teams in the NBA or sponsored with the NBA. It just, that just started about two one or two years ago um, that has a cu- backing of a couple of, former um nba players from africa i think matumbo actually is one Mm -hmm. of becoming matumbo is one of the sponsors um and and i think you know even you look at a lot of the like the nigerian team um there's two played there's actually actually a lot of guys from miami the miami heat played on the nigerian team uh like precious who now plays for toronto i think but um, so I think we're seeing maybe some more guys coming directly from parts of Africa to the NBA than in maybe in the past. So I think it's an exciting time. I think the sport's growing and we'll see like what, what happens. Um, you know, obviously there's, it's, it's funny because we were looking actually at uh, in the research for this potential um, film about him. We were looking at, uh, Joel Embiid's journey and uh, Pascal Siakam just because they're also from Cameroon where McQueen is from and both guys were discovered at the same uh, camp when they were like 16 17 and that camp is run by uh, I don't even know his name he he was in the NBA until last year he's playing for the Rockets but he's only 30 31 so uh He has like a four-part name. That's why I can't. I can't think like of it. Al, I don't know. Al- I, I don't Manu. think he's. Yeah, I forgot. I, 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 I'll, I'll. You Al- know, Manu? Yeah, forget it. uh Yeah, Some... I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, like he. I don't think he's been ever been kind of like he's been on a like I don't know four or five different teams and. Alfer Yeah, yeah. Alfer Is that right? I don't know. I think okay. I think it starts it's with an not, L. <laughs> um, <laughs> some but uh but yeah and they so they he was found at this they were both found at the same place they so were like we got to get in touch with this guy um, and then we looked and he follows Nick Wayne Kennedy on Instagram um so I, we'll see I mean and and I think that to answer your question in a very long way is that maybe that will give uh, once we talk to him you can kind of uh you know tell if there's some kind of because Nick Wayne's 21 Mm-hmm. you know that's what a guy who's a, a junior in college maybe a senior in college so it's not it is crazy but it's not like there's no chance we'll see
2: yeah, yeah.
0: i was yeah. just hoping there might be a pathway there um yeah. you know is, is there I, think, I think
2: potentially in europe too like mm-hmm. you know um yeah i mean if we yeah. if you watch the movie hustle right like if there's <laughs> any the indication uh if you have talent there's going to be some sort of way for you to to get to the NBA hopefully then. Um but yeah, I think they just need the chance, get then, then get the development cuz I don't know if he's ever played like organized basketball in in like, you know, a, like a certain league, professional league or semi pro league. Um cuz I know that's usually how yeah, they get assessed and then they get brought up from that system towards, you know, a higher echelon league if you will. Um probably like yeah, FIBA, right? So
1: yeah, yeah, I think I mean, like I said this new uh, league that's kind of co-run with the NBA in Africa. Maybe that's something that we could facilitate. Try to get some kind of tryout. I don't know how it works really. So we're learning as as we go. But again, it's very early process. A very early stage of the process. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of
2: crazy. I was gonna say it's kind of crazy that how that how it's kind of like just happened recently. Like you would think that after you know like Mutombo and all that, like that this, there would be some or Akim one, like there would have been some sort of more influx of like resources to like get uh nba players out of there like or you know to go into the college ranks more and develop them more um but yeah it it seems like it's kind of slowly progressed towards that
1: yeah and i think i mean this is i don't know any statistics around this or anything but when you think of the nba i mean really like of the guys who come from outside of the u.s mostly what it's Eastern European you're being European in general but there's really not like I mean I think there's I I was I think there was a story about the first Indian born guy getting a college scholarship this year in basketball I forget where um but but yeah I mean like there I just think there's probably a lot of untapped talent out there somewhere uh that is not these core markets that guys come from so I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. And I think the hustle movie like as you know was a good movie. I think it was a little cliche a lot of times. But because I I read that originally, actually, they were supposed to have it was supposed to be about a Chinese player. But Mm -hmm. because of the whole thing with NBA and China with LeBron and um, with the the GM, um, they switched it to a, a Spanish guy.
2: Yeah. Was it Morsi or? or, Yeah. Yeah. There was that whole controversy, I think, of like Indian players in China and all. So, yeah. And the the player is uh, Luke uh, Maba Amute. Uh, Yeah. That's who it was. I remember that. There you go. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Can I ask a question just in terms of how you're facilitating, you know, your content or, you know, getting a lead and, and kind of maneuvering it into one of these major publications is this something where you know you kind of roll up your sleeves and start you know going towards pitching stories or do you get leads from somewhere in order to kind of make all these stories uh you know more more uh, notarized and things like
1: that yeah it's it's right now it's like 95 percent pitching um so basically i you know i think as i've in this last year and a half two years of writing stories it's at first, I was just like, "Where the heck do I get ideas?" Like, yeah, you. Can, I mean, everything's an idea, really. But like, to be able to have something that's because it, a lot of times there has to be a newsy hook, you know? Like, something has to be like, "Why now?" is a big question. At least when I'm pitching, it's like, "Why now?" and "Why should I be the one telling the story?" So, um, but I think it's gotten a bit easier now that I've done some more writing. You know, you kind of get to know a few contacts at different publications who you know if you write for them one time then uh obviously there's a better chance that they'll they'll bring you in again for a different story um but yeah i think um it's it's really like trying to find why things are relevant at the time that you're pitching them um and then using that to build your portfolio and then I mean, the goal hopefully is to write longer form magazine stories um, that you can kind of go more in depth, like like the, the Guardian piece that I was talking about. I really like that because it was a really, it, you know, it's obviously about it's about these two guys, but it's also has, you know, if I had more space, if I had more um leeway and then stuff that i could write in that story i would have gone more into the history of uh or in the backgrounds but i obviously had a very limited amount of space so but i think that comes with time like that it comes with um just being around the not industry but like just being able to have those contacts that will trust you with a more in-depth story um and i think that will come along with just writing longer stories as as i go along
0: Gotcha. So with the Guardian, for example, they they kind of had these two like they had a story kind of ready to be told in a way like they needed you to do the legwork on that. Or you you, you knew about this story. You had that like in the bag. And
2: you no, presented- no. So
1: like I heard I heard this story at the Christmas party <clears throat> and then I went back and I said I contacted Dave, um, sorry, Mike, which is Dave's brother, our family friend. And I said, "Can I talk to Dave?" So Dave and I had an initial conversation for about I don't know an hour, uh, and just from that conversation, then I got the gist of the story, and I could write up a pitch. Pitches usually—I mean, different writers have different um, preferences for how long a pitch should be. For that one, I think it was like two paragraphs, um, just explaining the basics of the story, and that's what I sent out to. You know, I, I sent it to a couple of public publications. It got rejected, or you know, a lot of times you don't even hear an answer from editors. That's totally normal. And, and then I just kept pitching, and then got in contact with the, an editor at the Guardian, um, and he said, "Hey, this sounds really interesting. Let's talk." So, yeah, I mean, I think when, when you're a staff writer, from, from my I haven't written, been ever been on staff at a publication. From what I hear is that if you're a staff writer, you work at a specific publication, a lot of times your editor, you know, they'll get leads. They'll say, Hey, this is something that came in. Do you want to take this on and like look into it? But at the stage that I'm at right now, um, it's, it's basically me just finding stories. Um, And, you know, now, like I said, a lot of the stories will come from conversations, little tidbits of, of information or stories that people tell me and just in conversation at a bar or something. And then I'll go back and look into it and see like, why is this kind of, Uh, how how can we turn this into a story that's a bit more in depth, you know? Yeah.
2: What what, what do you usually look for in, in your stories? Is it like, just like something like a different human experience? Cause it sounds like, yeah, these two, uh, two stories that you wrote here, uh, were just like unique, kind of unique circumstances. Uh, you know, a, it's good for, I guess, you know, the social media, like clicking and stuff like that. But then, you know, there's a lot of depth towards it. I feel like, you know, with, uh. Um, like, the, like with Quain it's like oh this person like you, you know wants has a dream which I think we all do right Some to some degree and all then he's like going hard for it like going uh, you know head first into just trying to like you know work out and then now he has a bunch of like Steph Curry following him like is it just like the human struggle and human experience more so or yeah, kind of just walking through I guess what your thought process is on like
1: how do you look for a good story yeah I think for me Stories are a lot easier to, um, to just to start from if I have a central character like someone, and through like you know like with, um, like McQueen, I think you know like, again at this stage in my career I'm a little bit limited because sometimes you know you don't have it you can only, they give you a thousand words and you try to get everything in there but you know like I said if if he was a guy that was compelling he had a following you know, but when you watch his videos, like you only get very small, you don't, he never talks really in them, you know, it's basically just playing basketball. So when I see that, I'm like, wow, this guy probably has a lot more to say, Um, you know, and then when I talk to him, uh, for example, you know, there's this whole um, civil conflict going on that he has to duck from bullets literally while he's playing basketball on the court like he sent the one of the first communications that we had was me i I talked to him i was like hey i saw your videos i want to know more about your your journey and then he sent me this video of him and a friend like walking to the court and all of a sudden bullets start flying so they hit the ground and then and then you know sometimes he told me one time on the court he just had to he was literally going from shooting to laying on the clay court for two hours straight waiting for the crossfire to stop and so you know, when you send me that, it starts with a question, like, I, like, hey, I want to learn more. And then the most, you know, 99% of the people who are watching his videos have no idea that that is what's happening before and after he actually shoots those little short videos. And then, uh, you know, if I had, like I said, if I had more time or more space to write a longer story, I would have gone into more about this conflict, how are other people affected in his country, but it all would lead back to him and. Um, And so, yeah, so that, I think that's what it is. Like it starts with the person, but then through that person, what kind of more broader, deeper story can you tell on different levels that, um, kind of fill out the character that he or she is, you know, um, like another one that I did actually for business insider was about this guy who, uh, he's an, an astronaut. He just returned in April, but he was, he's basically the guy who's, the, the the American who's been off of the earth consecutively for like 365 days. I think it was something like that. I think it was a year. And, um, you know, again, it was like right now I, I want to go, I want to work with him again and do really like a longer piece because when I was interviewing him, you know, it, it was, they wanted to kind of like a day in the life of an astronaut, which is interesting in itself. And it, there were some interesting tidbits that came out in our conversation, but you know, in my research, just prepping for it, you know, basically like when he was up there uh the russian ukraine or the russian war in ukraine started and there was actually like uh, some i forget what the position of the guy was but like some f- higher up in in russian government who is threatening to leave mark this ast- american astronaut in the space station because the uh, space station is run by the russians with the u.s but i think they were in the russian part or something like that but that he had this guy had posted this video saying we're going to leave the American astronaut up there. And, you know, in our interview, we didn't even get to touch on that because we were talking more about the the angle, which was more the day to day. Um, And so I was like, wow, that is really interesting. You know, like I would love to hear about that. Uh, So maybe we'll, we'll revisit it um, at some point, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the one thing, like they always say, you have to kill your darlings. You know, you can't really, you, when, when you're talking to someone, you, you hear a lot of stuff that just doesn't make it into the piece because it's, it's just too much, Um, which is a good problem to have, I think. But uh, a lot of times I think most writers would say, Oh, I can go a lot longer if I had the chance. But, um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's another cool piece. And actually uh, one of my favorite points was that he was, I was asking him like uh, what his day to day was like, so we started with a very kind of basic question, you know, like, I said, from the time you get up to the time you go to sleep, what is your schedule? And at one point, he just telling me that he started like meditating, and he said he told me the story where he basically would meditate next to this window in the space station that just overlooked Earth. Like that was what he would just stare at as he meditated. (laughs) And he actually got kind of choked up talking to me on the interview because it was, and I just got goosebumps actually just saying that Um, because I was like, that is just. You know, imagine that. Like no one less than point oh oh one percent of the people in the in to ever exist will have that experience. And to be able to talk to that guy, even though it was a piece about day to day life, like that was really cool. So
2: Yeah. I was, it was like, you know, I, I did a meditation thing at work uh, this Friday, but it was just like staring at like a YouTube video of a <laughs> of, of a waterfall or something like that. Yeah. And he's, he's got the entire earth. To... Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it
1: was crazy. It was crazy. I was like, that's insane. I mean, I meditate. And I was like, wow, I think I would just. Yeah. It would be yeah. cool.
2: Yeah. Do you like long form content better than like some of the short form? Uh, I mean, just given your background sounds like, you know, with social media and such, like, everything's put together in, like, 90-second, 15-second clips, right, Um, versus that, which is why I appreciate, like, things like podcasting, right? It's, like, um, you can hear a conversation between two people that are knowledgeable about a certain thing, or maybe not even knowledgeable, they're just, you know, having a good conversation about some sort of subject uh, or interesting topic uh, while you're, you know, uh, doing some work here and there or cooking and stuff like that. Um, just curious, like your take on like the how that kind of affects like how, I guess the journalistic integrity with like people's attention spans and all that versus like you know oh here's all the information here's uh, the backstories
1: here's the sub stories all that just curious your thoughts on that yeah um, well I think for one I won't say that I don't like I'm not a person or I am I'm not. I am a person who still goes on Instagram, you know, goes on Twitter, has these bite sized I, I think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not like this, you know, wise person who only will sit down for one hour reading yeah. sessions or anything like that at all. So I do like the short stuff, but uh, yeah, I think um, like for example, for example, this, there's this podcast call from Vox called the long form podcast. And uh, they used to be independent, but they just got acquired by Vox this year, but they, just talk to different journalists, magazine writers, now kind of podcasters as well um, about their processes. And recently I was listening to one by this guy. um, What is it? I tweeted about it. It's his name, Sam. One second. His name is Sam Anderson um and you might he's done a lot of cool profiles you know um like he did one about the writer haruki murakami who i really like what russell westbrook but the one he talked a lot about was the one about kd kevin durant that came out last year i don't know in new york times magazine which if you guys haven't read it i didn't read it until after reading the or listening to this podcast but it's an amazing piece because you know, the whole, I mean, th- this is a really long piece. So sit down in a chair and like, give yourself some time to read it, but it's really worth it because the first page is just talking, him talking about how the earth was created. And I was like, how the hell is this going to relate to Kevin Durant? <laughs> and the way he brings it back um, is crazy. He, he based, so he's, be- he's a writer who's been covering, like he covered the thunder when Harden and Westbrook and, Durant were there together and he actually also has a book which I haven't read but I will now um, called Boomtown which is like it's a, two, it's, a story, it's a book that supposedly has like alternating chapters about how the city of Oklahoma City came to be and then the other chapters are about how about the Thunder and the team um, so supposedly it's a really cool kind of dual narrative where he talks about the Thunder but uses them to tell a bigger story about the city and um, the Sooners and all that kind of stuff And, uh, and anyway, so, you know, he got a, so he's known Durant for a while and he basically goes and, um, you know, after all this other stuff, he, in the middle of the piece, he hangs out with Kevin Durant at Kevin Durant's like, uh, office. And he's like, what do you want to talk about? Or Durant asks him, what do you want to talk about? And this guy, Sam Anderson is like the meaning of life kind of just as a joke. And Durant's like, oh, cool. Like no one ever asked me about that. (laughs) And then they start talking about the meaning of life and just like all this other stuff that Durant, you know, because, you know, he's obviously typecast as like just an NBA guy. Uh, Well, not, not so much anymore, but I, you know, a lot of most NBA guys are seen as only people who can just talk about sports. Right. But uh, he's in, and they, and they talk about the story of Durant growing up and his family. And it's just a really cool piece that, uh, like I said, just starts with something a, uh, like a, about the creation of the world. And you're like, how the hell is this going to bring back to Duran? So I would check that out. And if anybody's listening who likes uh, more in-depth stories about sports people, like he he's really good. I haven't read the Russ um, profile yet, but I will. So, Steph, what's the meaning of life? <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to ask you that. (laughs) I'm not used to being on this side of the. That's good.
0: Can I ask about that though? Because when we first got to know each other, uh, we were at you know University of South Carolina, both pursuing you know business degrees, things like that. And it's kind of where we moved into our study abroad, you know, to China, um, you know, for academics, but also I think for some experience and just to kind of you know be on a new continent or new country. If you know either of us hadn't been there at the time, but but what got you from maybe having more of a business mindset to kind of more on the content side of things. Like what is your journey? And I guess maybe talk about some of your purpose in what you're ultimately trying to achieve.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think when we were in China, um, I was, I was still, I mean, still trying to figure it out, obviously like most people, but um, you know, my first, when we came back from China, I graduated from, from South Carolina and then went to Chicago for a year and worked as a, as a um, advertising salesperson, like basically making 75 calls a day to small businesses, which wrecked me. Like that was definitely the worst year of my life. I met, I met, it wasn't all bad. I met some really cool people at the job, but I just didn't, didn't see myself in that environment. And so when I moved to San Francisco, I started working as a producer in kind of different digital agencies. So it was around more like creative people, which I thought was, a bit better but then you know i i was working as a producer for a while and then i said you know i don't want to be managing creative people like i i feel like i can do this and i want to do it myself and um and so and i mean growing up like i have a twin brother and we used to make documentaries um and short films with our cousins and we, you know we went to some film we went to some film festivals very small film festivals you know in our in our town and and so it was there uh, i just kind of like never really saw it as an opportunity that i could progress in professionally um i didn't i did because you know with business and with these kinds of careers it's like you're like okay you have the internship then you get the job then you get the next job then you get promoted and it was it was a more like linear path that you could see other people in our business school following um so that was just kind of when i came out of college i didn't know what i wanted to do so i was like okay i'll just start that and see what happens So then – but then after, you know, four years or so of working, I was like, no, this isn't it. And um, and so when I went – I came to Berlin, I actually decided – I applied to this school in Berlin uh, right before the pandemic – well, a few months before the pandemic hit. I accepted it the month before the pandemic hit. So I knew I was going to come to Berlin, and when I came here, still didn't know, and then I actually (laughs) – I mean, I had always liked writing like my dad and mom both used to be journalists in different capacities. Uh, My mom worked for actually my mom worked for ESPN a long time ago. That's we lived in Connecticut for a few years because of that. Uh, And my dad is more like on the editing, but also did freelance writing when he was. So it was it was in the. Uh, you know, the atmosphere of possibility for, for me. Um, like nobody in my family or my immediate family is good at math or science. We're all like, you know, my sister's trying to be an actress right now. Like, you know, my brother's a musician and my brother, I'm actually my other brother's a play soccer at Boston university. So everything was like creative or athletic. Nothing was technical or, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, so then we, we um so yeah then i decided to come and then i was wa- actually the first winter in berlin so december 2020 i was supposed to come back for christmas to florida and my just i mean you you might have heard of the german bureaucracy is absolute worst so i didn't have my residence permit that i could come back into the country if i had left so i actually got stuck here and um it was during the we had a second lockdown in germany and I so basically I started, just started reading and watching stuff. And I watched a show called Borgen. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's like this amazing uh, show about Danish. The first, the hypothetical or theoretical first female prime minister of Denmark. Uh, now there's actually been a real one. But when the movie, when the show was made in 2012, British, around there, um, uh, there hadn't been. And there's this one character who's a journalist. And it was so cool. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So that winter, I just started reaching out to some people that I knew in the world, in the, in the journalism world, and um, started pitching. And then from then on, and then, it, you know, it was it was kind of hard for a while because it was like, you know, you really have to start at the very, very small, like no one's going to give you a chance. I wrote a few things for my student newspaper and then used that to pitch. And then, you know, this summer or late spring, early summer, just this last year, that's um things started to pick up with these bigger publications so but it was you know for a year it was kind of like in and out of motivation and that kind of thing but now i think i'm honestly like the most happiest i've ever been professionally by far so i think it was kind of a very roundabout way but i think the writing was always on the wall for me that i was going to come back to some kind of thing more creative um And it's cool because now I never get tired because all these stories are so different from each other. So I, am just never, um, you know, never bored, I guess.
2: What's it like living in a, in, in Berlin uh, compared to like, you know, places in the U S or yeah? what's it like living like abroad in, uh, in Europe and Germany?
1: Well, at first it was a bit tough because I had to ask, Answer the the Trump question for like the first three four months. <laughs> it, it,
0: it travels you. It travels with you everywhere. You know, anywhere we've ever been, I feel like. But
1: not yeah, so it, it really <laughs> does. And I, I remember, like, I was with my friend, uh, my friend Maddie, who's uh, was also in Berlin, but she is an American from California, and we were together on the day that finally they announced that Biden, like, you know, after all the counting and stuff. And we were just sitting like on the steps of some random like um, street having a beer. And this guy, this old, he's probably like 60, 70 German guy. I guess he heard us talking, heard that we were American. He's like, congratulations, guys. Like you're done with him or something like that. And it was just like, oh, finally, you know. But I will say that the new thing, not the new thing, but something that I never thought would follow me to the U.S. that has. Or sorry, follow me to Europe that has is the Florida man myth. You guys know about Florida man? No. Go ahead. So I'll, I'll give you a quick synopsis. Basically, the Florida man... There's a joke that says, if you go on Google and you put Florida man and then your birthday, there's, there is a news story about some weird thing that a Florida man has done on that day. And it really... I don't know when it got so big. Like when I was a kid, I remember thinking like, "Oh, Florida's pretty cool. Like we have Disney, we have the beach. Everybody thinks we're like if you're from Florida, you're it's kind of like being from California, like it's cool just generally." And now now it's crazy. Like so many people from all parts of Europe, you know, um that I talk to here, if they hear I'm from Florida, they're like, "Oh, you're a Florida man." Like that's crazy. Like do you and I don't know. There's just if if you look it up, there's just so many weird stories about men from Florida. So actually my like I think my Twitter profile is like the good kind of Florida man or something like that. Or like changing the Florida man narrative since 93 or something like that. <laughs> but but anyway, uh what was the I think the question was how I was living in Berlin? Um but anyway, so once we got past the Trump thing, um, it's actually been really nice. I mean, Berlin, I don't know if you guys have been, but Berlin is from what I've heard and seen from my other trips to other places in Germany is not really Germany. (laughs) It's kind of this oasis that's very, um, you know, culturally liberal and a lot more open than most places you're going to have in Germany. Um, But overall, I I really enjoy it. I think I will stay in Europe for a while. Um, I I do like the the flexibility of being able to go to like another country within a few hours on a train and just going to a, Different language, different people, all that kind of stuff. Um, And the trains are really nice, actually. You know, we don't really have that trains as much. uh, And it's just something nice about getting to the train station like 10 minutes before and then sitting down going through no security. And then even if it's seven hours, it's still like shorter than a journey anywhere on a plane for for most cases, you know, with going to the airport and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I like the flexibility of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's not as like cramped as a plane. I feel like, and uh, yeah, you know, Wi Fi is I think better. I feel like, and I don't know. Yeah, have you been to Switzerland yet? Because uh, like is one of my favorite spots. I would say, um, yeah, especially if you like hiking or anything like that. So,
1: no, I haven't been to Switzerland yet. Um, I'll tell you a funny story though. I was it was in Netherlands in the Netherlands. I was going to Amsterdam three weeks ago for this podcast festival. Uh, and in Germany, they have this law like, we still have to wear masks on any kind of public transportation or transportation really in general. And um, so, the first like three, four hours on this train, we had to wear masks. And then, as soon as we cost, crossed the Dutch border, they're like, okay, everybody, you can take your masks off. <laughs> and it was like, we'd just been sitting here. And so, on the way back, we didn't have to wear the mask for the first four hours. And then we had to put them on, even though we were with the same exact people for like four hours before that it's just this is crazy
0: (laughs) maybe the united states will slowly adapt to that you know over time or something like that just given how you know partisan things are getting but uh yeah i mean i i was gonna make a note just uh you know when i was in moldova just how great that was to just buy, you know, a cheap train ticket or plane ticket or what have you. And it's like instantly you're in a new country. And I feel like every three months I'd try to plan a new trip. So I'd save like of the 300 bucks I was making a month through Peace Corps, I would like put 150 aside and then just have all my basics covered and stuff. And it's just great, man. Once you get there, it's like, you you think of Europe and all these countries as being so distant, you know, based on, you know, what we experience in the United States. When you actually get there, it's like, the land that you're covering is like what maybe half the United States or something like that so it's at least on the western and maybe central side but
1: no it's super yeah it's awesome I mean for Florida like we you know coming from Fort Lauderdale Miami area we had to drive six seven hours just to get out of Florida and here you could be like I don't even know where you could be in Denmark or something just the same amount of distance so
0: and then the culture just shifts rapidly, you know, you know, country to country. So it's like what you're actually experiencing is, is pretty mind
2: blowing. So that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So do you miss anything in the U.S.
1: at the moment? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> that's usually the first stop when we come when I come back. <laughs> um, yeah, Chick-fil-A for sure. There's something else. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I mean, that's that's when everybody anybody asks me like that's definitely the first thing that comes to mind. Are you um, a are you a sauce guy? Like,
0: I always felt like there were sauces I just could not get, and it was like my yeah. food would just be the same kind of mashup together, and it was like. The options were like ketchup and like some spices I was Like, do you have any like i don't know if you experience stuff like that but you know just curious i mean
1: with it even with chick-fil-a sauce i didn't eat it for the first three four years that i had chick-fil-a i just i don't know the smell or something i didn't like and then i tried it and i was like it was just like how was i doing this for that long without the this sauce you know i mean i've got a bottle there of is there is this thing, thing. there is this there's this falafel i like so basically in california i used to eat like burritos like three days a week now i eat falafel sandwiches like three days a week and there's this place um which i've discovered it's well i guess there's a bunch of different places but they do Sudan. they're sudanese and the sudanese style falafel is with like with a peanut sauce like heavy peanut sauce all over the falafel sandwich and that thing is amazing um, so if you ever in Berlin, you got to go to Sahara Falafel. That's the place to go. Is it as good as the John Bing from Shanghai? Oh, <laughs> different competitions. That's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is a lunch and dinner, so I'm not even gonna try to compare them. <laughs>
0: what was it so like Jean a Bing,
1: Those <laughs> are good. so good.
0: <laughs> like a quarter too. I felt like it was just like a whatever quarter fifty cents. It was like bang,
2: I got breakfast. It was awesome.
1: Yeah 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 is, is there remember there a, was, was this two guy yeah. that was a man and the woman that competed and i think you would go to the woman i would go to the man not that are right remember that <laughs> yeah so, we, <laughs> everybody had their person i feel
0: like she yeah just, you had your she loyalty spoke. For sure. <laughs> she spoke to me in a way i i, mean, I can't even explain <laughs> it but it might have been the extra egg or the crunchy bread or whatever <laughs> it was man she just <laughs> did it the right way
2: <laughs> is there is there a german food you you love uh the most
1: Mm. you know to be honest i feel like in berlin you don't even eat that much german food like the falafel like because there's a huge um you know there's a big turkish community in berlin there's a big syrian community in berlin so i just think like the standard for a lot of i don't know like millennial Mm -hmm. people who are are aren't german who live here is like that that is the more the day-to-day cheap good stuff you know I think if you go to Munich, other parts, then it would be different, but I mean, there's this thing called Käse Spätzle, like cheese, I don't know. it's basically like mac and, a glorified mac and like cheese. Noodle. Yeah, which is good, but you know, it's, yeah, if, if there's any food that I tell people to go to when they're here, it's it's like the falafels, for sure. Cool.
2: Yeah. So... I think we can maybe move on to we can move on to Miami. I mean, we've talked about food. I know it's dinner time closer to you, so I don't want to like kill your uh, I feel like we're sprucing your <laughs> appetite a lot. So but um yeah, curious. I you know, we know you're forward, a Florida man and all that. Uh curious, like uh, you know, uh, who's your favorite key player of
1: all time? That's a good question. I think I mean the the obvious answer is Dwayne Wade. Uh, you know, we moved to Chicago the same year, me and him. So we were there um, I, when I was growing up, though. Uh, it was definitely Udonis Haslam. I mean, it's he's still up there. But like when he because you like it's funny because when you see Udonis, you know, he's 40, I think now 41. And when he gets in the game, like there's, you know, a lot of Heat fans will kind of make this big commotion like, oh, he's kind of like this novelty guy which it's kind of like more in the inner it's like when a guy like taco fall or bobon comes in yeah. like people are more like which is cool but at the same time like bobon and taco like i mean i think bobon's better than taco <laughs> that he plays but so i get their appeal you know like they're these big guys who kind of like kind of goofy really nice but then, so I, I get that when people cheer them on. But when when a guy like Udonis comes on and that happens, I just, I don't know, I feel like a little bit of disrespect for him, even though I know that's not the intention. But when you when you remember how he used to be, like, that guy is just like, I mean, they call him the OG, you know? Like, he is was the hardest working guy, was undrafted out of Florida, went overseas, like, so I don't know. I, I get a little irked when people kind of, like, go over the top when in the cheering with him but anyway so Udonis is always my favorite growing up and then I think I mean Dwayne Dwayne too um but I'm trying to think of someone maybe who's a a little uh less common that is uh, is up there um and I'm trying to think I really liked me and my brother my twin we used to watch a lot we used to like this guy Keon Dooling do you remember him yeah He's actually I think he's actually a coach now somewhere. Interesting. Um, I mean, he used
2: to play for the Clippers uh, for for a bit. Um I think that's where he got drafted, but yeah, I remember he joined the Heat, so. Yeah. Yeah,
1: he's and he's from Fort Lauderdale too. Uh, um he he's a okay, he's a coach at the, on the Jazz now. Mm-hmm. Big Jazz Heat connection these days. <laughs> yeah. With Dwayne and stuff, you know. Um but yeah. I mean but I remember watching like we actually me and my brother had the uh, one of our first like I don't know presents that I remember getting as a kid was this signed Alonzo Morning. We we were twins so we always used to get split presents or whatever. We had this signed Alonzo Morning jersey uh which we still have at home. Um actually my little brother who's he's 22 His middle name is Alonzo because he was born when Alonzo was like the main guy. And um, they, my parents changed the Z to an S to make it a bit more Italian to kind of fit with our family. (laughs) name. But The the actual inspiration is Alonzo morning. (laughs) It's pretty cool. I
0: was going to make a point on Haslam too. It's kind of nice is that I think he's on a vet minimum contract and he's just kind of like kept repeating that over time, but it's like, he kind of does two things. He's probably like, the practice leader, you know, a guy who understands how to be a professional. You also get like a coach out of him too. It's kind of like you get a lot of things when you, you know, sign up a guy like Udonis. So, uh, you know, I think with like a, you were know, talking about taco and, uh, Boban, it's like, if those guys' names were John and Eugene, they wouldn't be half as interesting, you know, but it's like Udonis in, in general, I think serves a really smart purpose. And I think a lot of NBA teams would be wise to like keep a veteran
1: like that around just because he's good for culture. For sure. And I mean, he's played his whole career with the Heat, uh, which, you know, even a guy like Dwayne can't say anymore. Um, And I mean, I think, I don't know if you remember, I think it was last year, two years ago. I mean, Udonis never plays, but he came in and then within three minutes he like got in a fight with dwight howard and was ejected and just changed the whole stadium i was like i mean that's how you use a guy who's like number four whatever 13 14 on your bench you know um but yeah i agree like i think no one in the heat organization has more respect than maybe than pat riley but then udonis you know um, yeah yeah i feel it's like all right who can
2: get suspended here and not give you know not care as much right it's like all oh, the young people they don't want to have like a bad stigma but this 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 older gentleman here that's been in the league has one rings you know he's good uh let's just ha- put him in there and uh knock some heads around i feel like you know yeah exactly thing. yeah, yeah. we well, have nothing to
1: lose i think you know if you put him in for two three minutes and just change the he just has this intensity that has always been there um yeah, I think people just appreciate and, like, if he's around, like, you got to be serious, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of, yeah, he's that bridging a
2: gap between the, you know, with the uh, Dwayne Wade and Shaq, uh, you know, type of uh, era with, you know, what that's currently happening right now. And, and yeah, you know, it's like, you, you, see, you look at the Miami Heat roster, I feel like right now, right? It's, uh you know, there's some drafted here players, uh, you know, like Tower Hero, I guess, like lottery picks. But then, like, for the most part, they're all just, people that uh didn't come highly touted out of college and are kind of just grinders and i feel like that's that's i think the miami heat's like uh persona right and i think adonis haslam kind of like fits that and is like that like he, he's kind of the heart in a sense of of like what they're all about so that makes sense that he's there
1: yeah. yeah no for sure i mean it's kind of a shame because that you know a lot of when i first moved here to berlin i had i w- it was when the bubble was happening mm. and i watched i i would get up every night at like 2 3 a.m and watch the games um it's harder to do that during the regular season but once playoffs come around i do and uh yeah it's um it's, it's nice that the season's back cuz every time i wake up now i have some highlights to watch and you know the, he finally got the first win lot yesterday against the raptors so I think it, I'm excited for this year. I think like, I don't know. I I still think that we could win the East. I think like, it's crazy to me when, with ESPN, I don't know if you ever see like their rankings and like their, like there was this whole thing last year where we were like the best team in the East at one point or the second best and ESPN put their like, contenders dark horses like in the hunt and we were like the third category down the heat just like no one respects the heat until the playoffs come around and they're like oh yeah the heat are good just because we don't have we have jimmy but he's we don't have like a Giannis or you know any of these big big names um but i think i mean jimmy that's why jimmy fits with the heat too like he's also it is cool to see how he's finally found his team you know after playing with what the Sixers and the Bulls and stuff like I, th- I think I would like for Jimmy to retire as a as he a, with a champ like I think he deserves a championship for sure yeah I mean well he was with the Timberwolves for a hot second right oh uh, true <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> and they're like you don't fit in here you, you try too hard <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah yeah and then and then now yeah was it in Timberwolves they got Gobert and then they just lost to uh to 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 the utah jazz right i was like didn't you just you just traded like you know a bunch of kicks and stuff like that yeah. and he still <laughs> <Yeah>. lost like <laughs> yeah you know it's nuts yeah no but
1: patrick you're a bulls guy right wayne are you also a bulls guy i'm a bulls guy oh yeah definitely yeah yeah
2: yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, i mean you yeah. guys you, yeah we had our season opener against you guys right oh yeah yeah, yeah.
0: I uh, think we won.
1: Yeah, um, you did. I,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I, oh, sorry. No, no, I was just, I mean, <laughs> was that a question anyway, or a statement? I was like, <laughs> There's only like, three games in you
0: should know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, kind of a subtle dig, but uh, anyways, um, no, I think both those teams are kind of comparable at this point. It's like, I can see where we have the potential and star power to take that leap. I think the bulls bugaboo has just been injuries. Like last year we got out to a really hot start you know, then, you know, Caruso goes down. We had, you know, it seemed like Levine was in and out a little bit. Um, you know, Wayne could probably speak to more, uh, you know, from what he observed too, but it's just like, I like what we have when fully healthy, you know, Lonzo ball would have been a huge lift if we had him all year. And again, like we're without him to start the year again. So it's just like, you get this momentum going and, uh, you know, some real professionals, uh, you know, throughout our rotation, it's just like, you know, are we good enough to stack up against a young emerging Celtics team that's extremely deep or, you know, the Bucks are still, you know, solid with Giannis and, and their cast as well. But, um, you know, I think the Heat and Bulls are kind of like on a similar wavelength. It's just like, who's willing
2: to take that step? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, the Bulls are just injuries definitely plays the part. Like, you know, Wanzo, Wanzo Ball's like, a key, I think he's been like the key factors because he's just, he plays good defense, can pass the ball, like can shoot three, so I think that that kind of person is just essential. I think for the Bulls, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely like different from the Heat. It's like you know we draft players like Patrick Williams, like fourth overall, but then it's like you look at the Heat. It's like you know what Max Truce and all. <laughs> and, he's a Chicago guy too. A, he went to Nepal. Uh, yeah, to Nepal, Nepal. Yeah, Nepal. yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to yeah, Pat and the alma mater. So um, yeah, just like yeah, couple yeah, couple players go. like that. Yeah, yeah. Like they yeah, he's kind of like Harold. It's like, oh, we got one in the league, you know, right now. So
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because I think what makes the true story like extra interesting is how he kind of displays Duncan Robinson. Um, you know, he kind of fills a better role, he plays better defense yeah. though than Duncan. And like I don't know. I really I think most heat, heat fans really like Duncan, but I don't know. It just kinda he, he used to be Someone I was talking about, and then he kind of just faded. And, um, his podcast, I don't know, I don't know if it's he, that was, that's what I was about to say. I don't know, if, he's kind of like it's like he got the big contract, started a podcast, and then just kind of faded out. Separate. I don't know, I could see, I mean, he has a big contract, so I don't know if we'll like be able to move him, but um, yeah, we'll see. But it is cool, I mean, it is cool to root for a team that like has these guys who are just you know, it's not like we. I mean yeah we we had not the original super team, although some people say that we did. It's like people forget about the Celtics before us late before LeBron and Bosch came down here. but it is cool to have a team that is we're pretty you know we're just built from like the all these random guys who come in, you know, um, but I think the time's ticking, i think obviously with i mean Lowry is already i think he's got like i don't know three years left or something so we'll see how did you feel about the hero extension i really like tyler hero i think he i mean he was the the sixth man year like i think he i think he needs to start though i think that's at some point um to get him to the next level like i think he was fine he's like i'll win six man and then i'll prove myself but i think if he doesn't get into one of the the main rotation spots like he because he's I mean he's the guy in on the heat with the biggest ego I think um he he does like because there's a guy like Haslam and Jimmy there he won't kind of show too much of that but I think if you you know compress that ego too much it, it might explode and that's why I think he needs to have the shot to really be like the number one guy, even number two guy. Well, yeah, I guess behind, behind Bam and Jimmy, but like, I think he could be, you know, the number, him and Bam are the future of the heat for sure. I mean, he's, he's definitely a, a second piece, third piece on a, you know,
0: yeah. strong playoff contender or whatever it is. If he's got any weaknesses, maybe it's on the defensive end or size or something like that, but you can mask that by, you know, signing the right guys or drafting the right types of players to complement. You know his skill set, but he gets dogged a lot. I mean, I feel like they kind of you know slight him for some reason. I'm still like he put up 25 and five, you know, last year, and he's coming off the bench, and he does have a lot of swagger. Like when they were in the the bubble, I thought he really showed out, and so did Duncan at that point. Um, you know, maybe teams started to you know target them on the defensive side. Maybe that's why they've you know gotten some shade in that respect. But I still think you know with with the core you just spoke about, if they just get you know. I think the loss of PJ Tucker was huge for you guys just yeah. to not have that veteran stabilizer, you know, somebody who's playoff, you know, ready and things like that around, but uh, you just keep filling in those holes. And I think you
1: guys are, you know, ready to compete for, for conference titles. Yeah, I was, I, I was really sad. Like, I, it's funny. I've never shifted so much from hating a guy to loving a guy as with <laughs> PJ Tucker. Like Jimmy was up there, even <laughs> Kyle Lowry, but like we, the heat and the the Raptors used to have a little bit of a thing and, but PJ, I think me and I don't know, just me and my brother and my dad just like or my brothers and my dad just hated that guy. And now that yeah, we loved him for a year, and then he was gone again. So now it's like I don't even know where my relationship lies with PJ Tucker anymore.
2: <laughs> He's gonna have like the sweetest gig. I feel like it's like you just sit in the corner and then shoot threes and then just play really good defense. And then yeah. that's that's basically all. And then yeah, like that's the NBA these days. And you know, yeah. And boy. I mean,
1: I think he fit with in Miami so much because he's like he's a flashy guy he's got all these shoes like you know fresh new outfit every I'm like and then he he's on in Philadelphia now right and I'm yeah, like yeah I'm like, I don't know. Why would you go to Philadelphia if you live in Miami? It <laughs> seemed like they were willing to pay him into his forties and, uh, thinking about, yeah, yeah, uh, no, you know, no. it's like, for, you know, I, I get it. I get it. Like,
0: like if Oklahoma city came calling and they're like, Hey man, we want you to, you know, play for two or three times your worth. It's like, yeah, sure. Like, I don't, yeah. put me in Russia. I don't know. Wherever you want to, you know, me
1: to go, I'll go. Oh, Russia, but, you don't want to go. Maybe not. I mean, I wouldn't want to. Yeah. China, maybe. China, I think, is fine, yeah. but Russia, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no doubt.
0: But uh, no, it was, it was great talking to you. Um, you know, on this show, we usually do a final thought. So maybe uh, if you want to kick it off, we'll all give around a final thoughts and we'll close out
1: yeah no thank you guys for having me like i said i've never i don't think i've ever guessed it on a podcast so it was cool to be on this side of the mic and um you know i'll, I'll give uh, maybe i'll give a final thought with a recommendation i saw uh that movie triangle of sadness last night i don't know if you guys have heard of it it just won like the Cannes film festival it's like two and a half three hours long um and it's very very good and i would definitely see it in the theater um triangle of sadness but yeah with that i'm gonna i think i'll probably call it now and say the heat are going to finish second in the east and go to the finals again this year so i'll leave it at that (laughs) yeah I, i love the boldness um my
0: final thought actually has nothing to do with sports but uh this is for wayne on friday night sitting back it was late at night you know finished up with dinner and everything like that and uh I so at the grocery store right before I got home, and uh, I picked up a Dutch apple pie. I was like, you know what? I'm grabbing this Dutch apple pie right now because, you know, we, we we like to talk desserts on this show. We like to talk food and everything like that. But, man, that really just hit the spot. Just, you know, nice slice, heated it up, did mode too, with some caramels. It was just magical. But uh, I guess I want to uh, kick it over to Stefano because, you know, we just love to know what your favorite type of pie is if, if you're a pie guy at all.
1: Very big pie guy, but I think I would even delve a little bit deeper and say more of an apple crumble guy Okay, uh, more than pies. Um, but I will say the biggest change in my holiday diet uh, in the last 15 years came about a few years, like maybe three years ago when I discovered pumpkin pie. I always thought I hated it. Same, It was the same thing with the Chick-fil-A sauce, like avoided it, and then once I had it one time, like, was forced onto me for some reason, then I said, how how have I ever lived without this at this time of the year? So, yeah, I, w- I think I would say maybe pumpkin pie overall.
2: If you ever get a chance to try pumpkin cheesecake, actually, I think it's better than, like, a good pumpkin pie. I don't know what – I think it's, like, that smoothness added to the pumpkin and, like, the cinnamon type of flavor, I feel like it – it, it balances well off or whatever, like that fattiness and the, and the pumpkinish uh cinnamon flavors. I, it just meshes well. So definitely would recommend that.
1: But yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And just for um, a perspective.
2: Oh,
0: go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I thought we were still on pie. So I was like, figured I'd throw it out shout.
2: <laughs> just, just to shout out, <laughs> to-
0: <laughs> sh- yeah. <laughs> out Stefano's home state. My favorite pie is key lime pie. I just love the graham cracker crust, love key, you know, key limes, things like that. I went to Key West a year ago. Um, not that I went there for that or anything. It was a wedding, but I uh, just had some real stuff from the place it originates from. That's always great. And then uh, pecan pie was my favorite fall pie when, when Wayne and I were talking last episode. But, uh, you know, with that, if there are no other thoughts on dessert, that's my final thought.
2: Yes, uh, my final thought would be... Um happy uh, Filipino American history month uh, to all the mm-hmm. Filipinos out there. Uh, and uh, yeah, enjoy some good food and 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 good company and some wimpy and all that. So, yeah. All right.
0: Well, with that, um, this has been the ball and breakfast podcast with special guest, uh, Stefano Montali. Uh, we will be back next week to break down week seven of the NFL baseball playoffs and perhaps put together a basketball preview prediction show. So, uh, With that, take care all, and we'll we'll catch you next time.